Welcome back to The Ron Show for Monday, December 19th, 2022. I'm your host, Ron Roberts. This is the America One Radio app, AmericaOneRadio.com. Today will be one of those days that we uh, may remember the date. I mean, maybe, maybe not. I think January 6th stands out on its own. However, however, the January 6th investigative committee handing down its recommendations to indict may make this a formidable day in history. Uh, Congressman Jamie Raskins of the committee began as such. I want to thank you for your extraordinary leadership of this committee. Generations to come will praise you and the vice chair for your unswerving devotion to the rule of law. Several months ago, you tasked several of our members in a subcommittee with bringing recommendations to the full committee about potential referrals to the Department of Justice and other authorities based on evidence of criminal and civil offenses that has come to our attention over the course of our investigation. We are now prepared to share those recommendations today. Mr. Chairman, let me begin with some relevant background considerations to our criminal referrals. The dangerous assault on American constitutional democracy that took place on January 6, 2021, consists of hundreds of individual criminal offenses. Most such crimes are already being prosecuted by the Department of Justice. We propose to the committee advancing referrals where the gravity of the specific offense, the severity of its actual harm, and the centrality of the offender to the overall design of the unlawful scheme to overthrow the election compel us to speak. Ours is not a system of justice where foot soldiers go to jail and the masterminds and ringleaders get a free pass. Here, here. Mr. Chairman, as you know, our committee had the opportunity last spring to present much of our evidence to a federal judge, something that distinguishes our investigation from any other congressional investigation I can recall. In the context of resolving evidentiary privilege issues related to the crime fraud doctrine in the Eastman case, U.S. District Court Judge David Carter examined just a small subset of our evidence to determine whether it showed the likely commission of a federal offense. The judge concluded that both former President Donald Trump and John Eastman likely violated two federal criminal statutes. This is the starting point for our analysis today. And that's something I want to point out because there are those already on the right today who, since this came down around one o'clock, have been talking about how biased the January 6th committee was, all handpicked by Nancy Pelosi, including two Republicans, by the way, Adam Kinzinger, Liz Cheney, they're talking about the bias. But this committee had to go through relentless and unprecedented steps just to get to where they are today, including the judicial system with folks on the bench who are supposed to be nonpartisan. The first criminal statute we invoke for referral, therefore, is Title 18, Section 1512C, which makes it unlawful for anyone to corruptly obstruct, influence, or impede any official proceeding of the United States government. We believe that the evidence described by my colleagues today and assembled throughout our hearings warrants a criminal referral of former President Donald J. Trump, John Eastman, and others for violations of this statute. The whole purpose and obvious effect of Trump's scheme were to obstruct, influence, and impede this official proceeding, 
the central moment for the lawful transfer of power in the United States. Second, we believe that there is more than sufficient evidence to refer former President Donald J. Trump, John Eastman, and others for violating Title 18, Section 371. This statute makes it a crime to conspire to defraud the United States. In other words, to make an agreement to impair, obstruct, or defeat the lawful functions of the United States government by deceitful or dishonest means. Former President Trump did not engage in a plan to defraud the United States acting alone. He entered into agreements, formal and informal, with several other individuals who assisted him with his criminal objectives. Fake electors. Our report describes in detail the actions of numerous co-conspirators who agreed with and participated in Trump's plan to impair, obstruct, and defeat the certification of President Biden's electoral victory. That said, the subcommittee does not attempt to determine all of the potential participants in this conspiracy, as our understanding of the role of many individuals may be incomplete even today because they refuse to answer our questions. We trust that the Department of Justice will be able to form a far more complete picture through its own investigation. It's important to note what he said there, too, because we go back to the first charge, obstruction. There was so much obstruction that folks were not allowed to testify or were unwilling to testify. Third, we make a referral based on Title 18, Section 1001, which makes it unlawful to knowingly and willfully make materially false statements to the federal government. The evidence clearly suggests that President Trump conspired with others to submit slates of fake electors to Congress and the National Archives. Mm -hmm. We believe that this evidence we set forth in our report is more than sufficient for a criminal referral of former President Donald J. Trump and others in connection with this offense. As before, we don't try to determine all of the participants in this conspiracy, many of whom refuse to answer our questions while under oath. We trust that the Department of Justice will be able to form a more complete picture through its own investigation. The fourth and final statute we invoke for referral is Title 18, Section 2383. The statute applies to anyone who incites, assists, or engages in insurrection against the United States of America and anyone who gives aid or comfort to an insurrection. An insurrection is a rebellion against the authority of the United States. It is a grave federal offense. It is. Anchored in the Constitution itself, which repeatedly opposes insurrections and domestic violence, and indeed uses participation in insurrection by office holders as automatic grounds for disqualification from ever holding public office again at the federal or state level. Now, we're going to hear from the right, but what about the 2020 riots? Okay, first of all, you're comparing apples and oranges in that an insurrection is to seek to essentially overthrow the government and install your own officials or official in the case of Donald J. Trump versus protesting and fomented anger at civil injustice. Donald Trump's rights were not 
imperiled or impugned the rights of his supporters, his voters. They were not taken from them. They just didn't like the outcome of an election. I mean, don't you think that there's, I don't know, 250 plus years of voters who weren't happy with outcomes, especially the marginalized, especially the voiceless, the disenfranchised? Yeah. Anyone who incites others to engage in rebelling, assists them in doing so, or gives aid and comfort to those engaged in insurrection is guilty of a federal crime. The committee believes that more than sufficient evidence exists for a criminal referral of former President Trump for assisting or aiding and comforting those at the Capitol who engaged in a violent attack on the United States. The committee has developed significant evidence that President Trump intended to disrupt the peaceful transfer, transition of power under our Constitution. The president has an affirmative and primary constitutional duty to act to take care that the laws be faithfully executed. Nothing could be a greater betrayal of this duty than to assist in insurrection against the constitutional order. The complete factual basis for this referral is set forth in detail throughout our report. These are not the only statutes that are potentially relevant to President Trump's conduct related to the 2020 election. Depending on evidence developed by the Department of Justice, the president's actions could certainly trigger other criminal violations. Nor are President Trump and his immediate team the only people identified for referrals in our report. As part of our investigation, we asked multiple members of Congress to speak with us about issues critical to our understanding of this attack on the 2020 election and our system of constitutional democracy. None agreed to provide that essential information. Wonder why. As a result, we took the significant step of issuing them subpoenas based on the volume of information particular members possessed about one or more parts of President Trump's plans to overturn the election. None of the subpoenaed members complied. Mm -hmm. And we are now referring four members of Congress for appropriate sanction by the House Ethics Committee for failure to comply with lawful subpoenas. Mr. Chairman, we understand the gravity of each and every referral we are making today, just as we understand the magnitude of the crime against democracy that we describe in our report. But we have gone where the facts and the law lead us, and inescapably, they lead us here. Accordingly, Mr. Chairman, in light of these facts, I ask unanimous consent that the chairman be directed to transmit to the United States Department of Justice relevant select committee records in furtherance of these criminal referrals. Without objection, so ordered. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I now yield back. And by the way, let's go ahead and get those names out. They are former GOP House Leader Kevin McCarthy, Ohio Representative Jim Jordan, Scott Perry from Pennsylvania, and Andy Biggs of Arizona, all of whom refused to comply with subpoenas. Pursuant to notice, I now call up Select Committee's final report pursuant to Section 4A of House Resolution 503. The clerk shall designate the report. 
Final report of the Select Committee to investigate the January 6th attack on the United States Capitol. Without objection, the report will be considered read and open to amendment at this point. I now recognize the young woman from Virginia, Ms. Luria, for a motion. Mr. Chairman, I move that the committee favorably report to the House the Select Committee's final report, which includes the committee's legislative recommendations and criminal referrals of Donald J. Trump and others, pursuant to Section 4A of House Resolution 503. The question is on the motion to favorably report to the House. Those in favor say aye. 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 Those opposed, no. In the opinion of the chair, the ayes have it. The clerk will report the vote. Mr. Chairman, on this vote, there are nine ayes and zero noes. The motion is agreed to. Without objection, a motion to reconsider is laid on the table. Without objection, staff is authorized to make any necessary technical or conforming changes to the report to reflect the actions of the committee. The chair requests those in the hearing room remain seated until the Capitol Police have escorted members from the room. There being no further business, without objection, the select committee stands adjourned. Well, there you have it. There are going to be those hardcore partisans who insist that we on the left are taking glee. We are joyful. We are thrilled, happy beyond belief, like a child on Christmas morning to see this day come. And I would counter, no, no, we're not. It's justice, long overdue. Think of someone who lost a loved one to murder, and that murderer is finally brought to justice. We did lose lives on January 6th. They were misguided lives on the right, but they were lives nonetheless, including a female veteran, misguided, misguided into acting in an insurrection on January 6th. Now, I would say joyful is not really a word that comes to mind. For me, I'm hopeful, just hopeful that maybe, just maybe, with electoral losses in the midterm and a souring appetite within the GOP to continue allowing a Donald J. Trump to run amok, free reign with zero consequences, I'm hopeful that perhaps we have dodged a bullet. The man said he could get away with shooting a man in broad daylight because his supporters wouldn't abandon him. Well, people have died. And folks are abandoning him. Will it be enough? We'll let the primary system play that out if he gets to run in 2024. But justice moves nevertheless. What the Department of Justice does from here, we'll all wait and see. But I'm encouraged and I'm heartened by those who cross the aisle. Not just Representative Cheney, not just Representative Kinzinger, but the many and varied faces and voices who were Republican that did testify to this committee. From here, we wait and we see. Will justice be served? We'll all find out together. More on show after this on the America One Radio app, americaoneradio.com. <laughs>